0: netflix i kind of feel like offended when they're like are you still watching well what bitch am i else am i going to be doing
1: of course i'm still watching you could have fallen asleep
2: feels like netflix is shaming you for yes. watching too much television shouldn't you be doing something else <laughs> something else yeah i actually right? well, well, like no, i want
0: to watch the entire well <laughs> it's about frankie
1: it's all about licensing fees though because like oh. they're they get charged or they have to pay for every movie that plays and or show episode or anything like that, they have to pay royalties out. So if you've just fallen asleep and you're not actually watching anymore, then it's gonna stop it. So it doesn't, they don't just continually rack up a bunch of ch- charges.
2: Okay, I love that uh-huh. business explanation. I thought it was just really friendly because I always fall, I do watch like netflix to fall asleep and since i binge watch television shows i want Mm -hmm. them to say are you still watching are you going to be lost when it turns out you're on episode nine (laughs) and you fell asleep at episode two i always thought it was a gentle
1: i mean you know that's also a benefit
2: But I love how Lenya's. No, they're shaming me.
1: They're shaming <laughs> like, me because they're definitely I just binge watch the
0: like... entire season of Grace and Frankie and then the entire season of Working Mothers all in one sitting.
1: Nice, and well, th- that, they're that definitely that
0: is kind of accomplishment.
1: <laughs> the they, whole season. <laughs> they don't want to shame you. <laughs> That's the opposite. Yeah, of they goal. Th-
2: right. They don't. <laughs> they're actually going to be sending you a prize in the mail now.
1: They, I think they should do that. You know, like the YouTube right, subscriber Luzma. trophies.
0: Buzma, if you're listening, this is it.
2: Well, don't they <laughs> see, this is what I sort of miss because I'm not really engaged in YouTube or TikTok or anything, but, like, just going for the Guinness Book of World Records, is there a Guinness Book of World Records for the longest binge television watching?
1: <laughs> Probably. I mean, Probably. Guinness is just a beer company. Then They make it up. So they, they know, can make a but, world record for whatever uh, you're they want. you just
2: destroying all the magic in my little world <laughs> right now. You're like, it's just a company doing capitalistic things. <laughs> and meanwhile, it's uh, like, one more childhood like dream oh destroyed. <laughs> Shit, I hate 2021 where there's no magic in the world. There was no magic in 20.
1: Whenever I'm listening to the podcast and I'm, I'm thinking of something that I would want to interject into the conversation, 90% of the time, it's fucking capitalism. Just every time, it's always, it always comes back to that for me.
2: Well, you know, I teach, one of the courses I teach, Remedies, you know, which is basically taught, you know, give me the money. That's kind of what it's about, right? (laughs) But I always sort of when I talk about the why behind certain doctrines or like why doctrines are given this way. And I was like, hey, buddy, it's capitalism. And I'm just standing in front of 90 people thinking how many students are writing on their evaluations like crazy lefty espousing her views in class inappropriate <laughs> when i really try to say mm-hmm. i'm just saying there's great ingenuity in a lot of this mm-hmm. but also you know capitalism so yep yeah no well capitalism yeah. Is, yeah, it's a whole
1: big topic on its own <laughs>
2: it's a whole big topic that i am
0: and we don't want to talk about
1: today <laughs> no
2: i know but i just have to say though there is a thing so obviously you know i'm an anti-capitalist um so and i wish i lived in a world (laughs) where we didn't have such extreme wealth where i mean you know we all blah 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 Mm -hmm. but i have to say when i see young people living without shame around money i'm not saying that they're necessarily like pro-capitalist but they don't seem to have any shame about earning money spending money that there's no shame around that i actually feel quite overjoyed because yeah. I do think it's the people who are living without shame around money that might be able to move us towards mm-hmm. a less capitalistic society. Because if you don't have shame around it, you can make better decisions around it. I have so much shame around money that I am very like anti, you know, I am big on I'll spend money on any experience like I'm a totally elitist, pretentious person. You know, I'm judging everybody's I judge. I'm so <laughs> judgy on this, you know, mm-hmm. but. You know, I'm like, oh my God, this really cool virtual reality experience costs $40. Let's just do it. Like, and I don't care, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know? And so I recognize I'm also a consumer. Do you know, like, oh, I mean, very
1: much. You're still a product of the society. You can't change that.
2: Yeah. You, and d- I Despite so
1: much- hating it. You, yeah.
2: Yeah. So there's a lot of self-loathing going on. So I really like when I see this, you know, these 13 year olds who are sort of engaging in buying and selling of the sneakers and doing these little businesses. And there doesn't seem to be any shame around it, which again, makes me hope that when they realize the great the the stratifications in our society, they can say, OK, this is wrong. Like, how can we create wealth for everybody? How can we lift it up? There shouldn't be mm-hmm. shame around money, like even I have um, friends who are selling their house and, you know, Brendan, California real estate, it's insane. Right. So I've heard people just make so much money on their homes. And they were saying, oh, we got they were being really cagey. They were like, you know, we got like over asking, you know, whatever. I was like, you know, we're all going to look on Redfin and know exactly how much your house sold for. Just (laughs) fucking tell us it's not going to be a secret. And I know I've known these people for like, almost 30 years i know the grossest shit about them like you can't do you know what i mean like it's weird like how everybody's like weird about the money thing and i recently tried to start trying to be like women will share the grossest things about their bodily functions but they'll be like ooh i can't tell
0: you how much i make like i, mean, I don't that's, get it
1: that that's capitalism <laughs> fucking well, capitalism see, i'm taking like a that... course
0: uh-huh. i'm taking a course called the no budget babe mm. we're trying to to take away the shame Mm -hmm. And it's been interesting. I'm only on the first week um, of this course, but I already feel like a mind shift, you know, from where I was before. So I just basically went to my boss today and was like, I think I need to raise. Good. Good for you. And she was like, okay, let's talk about it next month. I'm like, good. Great. You know, I would have never done that before. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? I would have Mm -hmm. just been too embarrassed, but
2: in your own business, do you get weird when you're quoting estimates for people and stuff? Or are you just fine? About- no,
1: I'm pretty fine about it. But like now, after, you know, doing 11 years of construction work and setting my own price, I have so much work that I can't do that I'm just like, okay, well, this is what it's going to cost me to do this job. And if that works for you, awesome. You know, I hope you find somebody that it works for your price point. I've never, I don't really ever negotiate on my price or feel bad about it because I just, I, don't live extravagantly. I, I charge enough to make a comfortable living, and probably charge too little. Usually, I hear. I'm thinking you do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, if I'm going to be booked out for the next year and a half, like I am now, like obviously, I could be raising my rates and <laughs> keeping that sh- shorter, you know. But there's a little bit. There's a little bit of. I don't want to charge too much. I don't want to charge more than I'm worth. I guess I'd rather charge under my worth and be able to give somebody a good deal and help But, but Wait a minute,
0: but do you know what you're worth? That's the thing. Do you know mm-hmm. what you're worth? I recently just started my, I like have my price list now for all the things that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I ha- I looked it up, like before I made it public, I looked it up to see what other people are charging and was shocked how mm-hmm. I was undercharging.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, now, I know I'm undercharging.
0: Yeah, well, see, Brendan, then, there's, there's something in, I, like. Yeah. Here's the thing though,
2: here's wh- how I feel about it because I also undercharge or if I really don't want to do the work, I will just say you are you have to pay me a premium because you got to pay me to get over the fuck mm-hmm. factor.
1: I've done that so, a couple of times but then they take the job and I hate the job. And so I've learned that I just right. declined the job.
2: <laughs> I also have trouble. So I want to ask my worth, but then all of a sudden I do feel like there's a little less freedom and what one of my overriding personality traits is that i need to feel free and if i don't feel free i feel anxious and so a couple of things right like i can't work i could never work a straight job like nine to five nine to six like i could never do it right so
1: I'm, i'm ruined as an employee
2: Right. I mean, I I, like, I mean, maybe I can be a Walmart reader upon retirement, but not that I can retire. But that's not
0: a that's not a nine to five. I work retail and it's a gig. It's gig. Yeah. But I couldn't
2: even do retail because I can't have a boss either. I don't know how to I haven't had a boss in 20 years. You know, I have people who like, obviously, I can be fired. Do you know what I mean? But I have nobody supervising me at all. It is is. I'm basically a freelancer even though I'm a perm- a full-time employee at a university it's the good gig about being a professor and then I have my own side gig so I'm kind of ruined for employment because I like the feeling of free I hate being managed even yeah. micro I don't even like being macro managed right like mm-hmm. nothing at all mm-hmm. and then I sometimes feel that if I'm charging like where my rate should really be I feel like that it feels like a little bit of an albatross around my neck because I feel like I need to put in 110%, 150% and do that. Where if I pay, I'm still going to put in a hundred percent, but if I'm charging a little under, I have some wiggle room to sort of say, I got to put this off a week. You are getting a deal. Like you are doing that. I have more leeway because I tend, this is where it comes in with perfection because I'm, I have been a perfectionist in my life charging a little bit under allows me to let go of perfection. As soon as I'm sort of charging what I think I'm really worth, then all my perfection craziness gets in and I get very unhealthy. Like for me, I
1: get you know, un- I actually, I do the same thing because to me, if I was on a project charging exactly what I felt like my time was worth and what the project would be worth, I would want to make sure every single corner is as crisp as possible, and every single mark and blemish is removed. And every, you know, like going into such detail that it would take too long and then become too expensive, and they wouldn't want to buy it.
2: <laughs> that's yeah. That's sort of where, and I, you know, I work with this and my students all the time. I can, my work can be excellent. There's a difference mm-hmm. between excellent and perfect. I get all wrapped yeah. up in perfect, and mm-hmm. so I like to sort of be under and then just say, look, the work's excellent or the work's very good. You know, it's more than competent, you know, but it, I do struggle. And money is very tied to that for me, like mm-hmm. rightly or wrongly. It's very tied for me. I feel mm-hmm. like this the law school is getting a deal with me. And every time I sort of think about asking for what I think I'm really worth, I'm like, but do I really want that relationship with the law school? Do you know right. what I mean? I really like that. I feel like they think they're getting a good deal. I think they're getting a good deal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I they feel grateful. I would hate to feel like they're saying you better be grateful. I don't right. want that. I don't want that dynamic. It's hard, right. but I don't have this problem. <laughs> no. Well, you know, I think, you know, your worth. I think you're much
0: stronger that way. And I got deadline articles that show you how good the, the work is. You know what I mean? Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So I have covers of magazines. I'm like, if you want to question it, go find someone else.
2: Right. Like I think both Brendan and I are saying like I have an excellent track record. I have, right. you know, I have but it doesn't matter. It's a neurotic. It's a neur- it's a neurosis. Like I'm yes. saying, right. it has nothing to do with the work. I'm neurotic, and therefore I like my freedom.
1: Yeah, record. yeah. I mean, yeah. You can check out my five star reviews on Yelp. Exactly. <laughs> still like right. Exactly. See,
2: I mean, I read all the thank you notes, all the gifts, right. all the whatever. I was like, I know I'm an excellent teacher. Oh my but god. Still, but still completely neurotic (laughs) want the freedom Mm
0: -hmm. so this is a mental game Mm -hmm. yeah
2: of course it is but all of it is i mean life's a mental game like it is sort of that i also even think that i would have i live i carry around i think it's inherited trauma it's not really trauma but inherited from my parents but the idea is like lately i've been thinking about my sister got a really she got a mini cooper for her 50th birthday and you know she's wanting a fun car it's not a mom car And, you know, I drive a eight-year-old Fit, Honda Fit. And I've always said to myself, I don't believe in car, I don't want a car, whatever. But then, like, I was like, but I'm over 50. I hate driving in LA because my car, you know, feels like a tin can on the freeway. And, you know, could I get a fun car? You know, and I can't afford really a fun car. But what if I could figure out, like, you know, change my priorities, alter shifts? I would feel so guilty driving one of those cars like i would not be able to do it i just wouldn't feel comfortable that's the honest truth i wouldn't feel comfortable driving a status car i just don't feel it and i do judge people
1: who do the do
2: that's the shitty thing i have a know? pre-order
1: for the tesla Cybertruck.
2: you know. have yes. a tesla truck
1: i i I, a I have pre-order. a pre-order for it yeah it's not out yet but. you I am right,
0: crazy that is it no it's brilliant right all right change. tell me why tell me it changes life
1: yeah i'm for it brendan i'm for it yeah
0: yeah
2: like all right but tell me why
1: well so at my place i pay for pge my local my local power distributor i pay for them to have 100 percent renewable energy for my property and so it's all wind and solar power that comes here so i would just charge up every day at home on green energy. And then I, I'm i driving 50 miles at most a day. And so the, the range is like 350 miles or something like that. And so I'd never have to go to a charger, obviously I'd never have to go to a gas station anymore, which I feel so guilty every time I go to the gas. I mean, every time I drive, I just hate the idea that just fumes are just coming out yep. everywhere I go. So I'm saying it's going to change
0: your life. It's going to change your whole perspective. It's even going to change the way you think about whether you do want to have children later on the earth that you're the the earth that you're actually giving to your children. Believe me, Yeah, I, I am here for it. You are making the best decision.
1: I can't wait. I'm so excited. My current truck is a 2010 Tacoma Toyota. And when I got that in 2011, like I was looking everywhere for an electric truck. I needed a truck for work. And mm-hmm. there was just nothing on the market for another yeah. five years. If I wanted to spend over $80,000 for the car, which I can't, well, I couldn't at the time, at least I can now, but again, now it's like the perfect opportunity. My truck is still in good condition so I can get some money back for it. The starting price for the Cybertruck is only $40,000. I'm getting the 50,000. That's like 50, not what 000. I
2: mean by a, like a status card, because that's like, I know, clearly, but it's going I mean, it to be a status name, <laughs> but like you're doing it for the environment. It is yes. the best. But most people who
0: buy Teslas are not doing it for status. Also,
1: because the, the size and shape of the Cybertruck is like... Wait,
2: point to the statistics on that one, Lenya, but go ahead.
1: It's not easy with the charging. And it depends. Like, if you have a house, it's, it's easy. If you have yes, an apartment, it's not apartment, easy.
0: Apartment, it's not. Like, I yes. know someone who's, who has the car. I think she initially got it because of status. But, you know, over the course of the year that she had it, she realized that this is not an easy car. She had to make a decision. Do I want to li- continue to live my life where I have to go to a charging station? I have to, you know, she has to be very mindful of how far she drives. And she realized for her daughter's sake and for the planet that this was a a decision that was right for her. But it was initially I know a status because she liked the look of it. Yeah.
2: Right. I'm not even saying I don't think I mean, let's face it, I've been in I mean, I wrote a whole personal essay about like my dad's first Mercedes, like his first foray into, you know, status car driving. But I don't you know, you get a Prius, you get a you get an electric car. You're you're making that decision or a hybrid. You're making that decision for the environment. That's that is really different than just a status. So it's I don't think a Tesla
0: is a status car.
2: Well, I think it depends on the person. Sorry. I think it depends it also on the person. It also
1: depends on the, the model. Like, on if, the you're model. Getting, if you're getting yes. a Model S or a Model X, like, those are luxury cars. But if you're getting a Model 3 or a now a yeah. Cybertruck, like, it's an affordable car. And, and
2: then, even with a luxury car, I mean, if you're spending an hour and a half to three hours in your car every day, you do want an inter- interior that's really luxury because, like, yeah. you're basically spending a ton of time in it. I mean, all of yeah. this
0: is. It's also such a personal it's such a personal decision. Like my husband has a status car. But when he got the car, he was driving two hours to work and two hours back. And right. he was just like, I just need a bit of joy, mm-hmm. right? On that 405 freeway, which is absolutely. probably the worst freeway in the world. <laughs> He's just like, I need a bit of joy. So, hey, you know, if this is what brings him happiness, then this is what brings him happiness. And if no, not, absolutely. you know right. Absolutely. But, you know, there it's are no, those people. That what frustrates
2: me, though, about certain status material is that people start to confuse and this goes to capitalism like confuse need versus want right (laughs) so as soon as somebody says hey look it's just i can i'm privileged i can afford it and it's fun and i want to do it and i'm going to have joy from it i you know i you know i don't believe in god but god bless do you know what i mean in that that, sense that's fantastic but when you find people sort of doing and saying, well, I need to replace my car every four years and it needs to be a new car. I can't I can't have a used car and sort of like mind blocking like reality, that starts to irk me. Like nobody needs more than one pair of sneakers. Nobody needs more than one pair of sneakers. You may have more than
0: one pair of sneakers.
2: You're an athlete, but I got to tell you, I am sure there are people out there who compete who don't.
0: I'd be really surprised because we need a pair of sneakers to squat. We need a pair of shoes to deadlift. We need a pair of sneakers to train in. You need a pair of sneakers to run.
2: That's you buying into capitalism because the original Olympics all barefoot. I'm yeah, sorry. I'm somebody marketing to you, <laughs> it's somebody marketing to you that you need a different shoe for every single thing. And you buying into that marketing and saying, yeah. OK, now their needs.
0: No, I'm like, we're not that's even allowed, allowed to compete without certain shoes. So I'm right. not buying into that, the market. I'm, I'm buying capitalism, into capitalism. You don't think that's capitalism? I'm sure it's capitalism, All but right. it's a need. As an athlete, if I'm going to be in this sport, it's my—it's a need. It's not something like. Do you think I want to buy squat shoes versus a Chanel handbag? Do you really think Don't I want get to start on what market? I think
2: Chanel handbags? But
0: I mean, like it's—but do you, I'm just saying. Do you really think I want to spend my money? Me, Lenya Wilson, who wears like nice clothes, wants to spend my money. Oh, no, but right. I mean, but the shoes? thing is, if They're you so want to, ugly. Well,
2: but the thing is, is, I still think if all the athletes got together and said one of the barriers barriers to having more people in the sport, like people of color or poorer people in the sport, is to take away these really stupid rules. I, you know what? You could be an activist and you could do that in your own community. I just don't believe it's necessary. It makes so, a rich person sport every time a competition says we're only going to allow these kinds of sneakers. Because if they do, then they should allow you to, if you don't have them, we'll give you a pair. And then it's your voice.
0: Yeah, that's true. They should do that. But I will say this: when it comes to squat shoes and deadlift shoes, squat shoes are actually beneficial to your body when you're squatting because they raise your the heel, your heel, you're putting less stress on your knee and lower back, right? And if you're squatting double to triple your body weight, this can make a big difference in how long you'll be able to compete. So it is kind of a necessity. And when you're deadlifting, your feet can slide because there are people who do it barefoot, your feet can slide. And that can be also very the dangerous do
2: barefoot. And when did this technology get invented? Again, you have to understand that people were doing these sports before there were different kinds of shoes. So it has become a need. But I kind of say it's a it's a need that keeps rich people doing these sports and not everybody doing these sports. It's just like tennis rackets. It's just like anything else where you say you need a special thing for it. You are setting up a barrier that, quite frankly, is going to end up being a racial barrier.
1: Fucking capitalism. Yeah, you're right. You're
0: right. Yeah, this Appleism. is why CrossFit is the way it is. And this is why so many people were upset that black CrossFit. people like, were.
2: You put CrossFit no. out, but it's your very own, your own, the own thing you're doing this fall is kind of subscribing to the same barrier. If they're requiring you know, it, it, if it is, it's, it's them too. It is, but we have more one. black
0: people in powerlifting than we do in CrossFit. Okay, And it's because the barrier to entry in CrossFit is the amount of money you have to pay to go to a gym. Yeah. Where and that's a lot because it's a monthly thing. And then once you get to that gym, there's all these other things that they want right. you to buy, like your weight belt, your this, your that. When it comes to powerlifting, there are quite a few black people, Latino people, Asian people in all Olympic lifting and weightlifting and um, powerlifting because you can start with the minimum. And you don't have to go to a special gym. It can be a less expensive thing, but you are right. Having all this equipment to compete is a barrier. And it could be why so many people were so upset that so many Black people were competing at the 2019 Nationals. That it, I mean, it was. They were so upset that they actually wrote in the feed. People were typing in the, you know, the live feed. Why are there so many black girls competing this year? There's just too many black girls on the on the platform. There's no white girls in this in this heat. Awful. It was awful, and you know, it was very awful because our friends are, are watching us live and looking at these comments, and then I mean, they they're sending to us like, "Oh my god!" And you know, it's upsetting for us as athletes to see it, but it's also kind of important for us to know that there's like all this racism out in the in the actual world about us being a part of the sport, but it is, yeah, you're right. It is having all this equipment is a barrier to entry and it's sad, but I mean, every sport is like that though, isn't it? Every sport? Yeah, well, everything creates. I mean,
2: like as soon as we create that, it's expected, right, that women have their hair cut a certain way and Mm -hmm. that you can't cut it yourself and it's appropriate. We are creating a niche that's saying I need my haircut Mm -hmm. when you know what? You actually don't. You can grow it long, put it in a braid and and cut it. I mean, I can take this to the nth degree and I go get my haircut all the time. Like it's not, you know what I mean? But I, I think it's important that people evaluate What's really a need for living? What is a market created or so society accepted need, and then what is a true want? And I just think that not enough humans sit down mm-hmm. and really own how entitled they are. You know, like oh, for I'm,
1: sure.
2: and because yes. this is all everything we're talking about is friggin' entitled. You know, and yeah. that's where, and that's where- what we have to just admit to ourselves you know, we're entitled to think of that as a need when, you know, there are people who are starving who are like, are you kidding me? You're talking about this right now? Like, how is this even absolute? This is, you know, these are one percenter problems. This is not real. But okay, welcome,
0: Brendan, to the podcast. (laughs)
1: Hello, thanks for having (laughs) me back. (laughs) It's good to be here.
0: (laughs) Brendan is family. I think, Brendan, we have you on once every season, right? Yeah, just about. At least So, so everybody,
2: Brendan's getting married. It's very exciting. Do you have a date?
1: (laughs) Yeah, June 26th.
2: June 26th. Wow. -hmm. That's like just under 300 days. Oh. And is the planning going crazy?
1: Yeah, it's going pretty well. We got a wedding planner and. Mm. that's an experience and yeah i've got some dates scheduled with some caterers to do some tastings and i've got let's see we're working on the wedding website and save the dates now and yeah it's going pretty good so far
2: that's really exciting
1: we've got a really fun bachelor bachelorette destination escape planned
2: what are you doing and lenny and i are crashing it but no go ahead (laughs) yeah yeah
1: (laughs) Um, well, I won't give you too many details, but Margaret, ha- my fiance, has family in Montana who have a property out there that is actually a wedding venue. And like it's a wedding venue that they charge $24,000 a weekend for a wedding to be there. And it's this huge log mansion with uh, a man-made pond and uh, a bunch of out cabins and a huge view of the mountainscape. It's just incredible, and we it's it's a, since it's a family property we get use of it for a weekend, for free, and it's just uh, we're gonna bring a bunch of, of friends out there and have a good time, have have an amazing time.
0: You can have horseback ride and all that stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, something you know, like maybe some archery or like off road. Yeah, yeah. There's a three acre dog corral. So we can all bring our dogs if we want to and have them all running around and stuff so oh my god we went up there for fourth of july and it was just one of the best weekends i've ever had in my life there's probably 14 dogs there i don't know i lost count and 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 probably about about the same amount of people (laughs) and it was just super fun that's
2: great so it's called the dog corral
1: Uh, yeah a a dog they they call it a dog ranch because they don't have any actual animals except for dogs (laughs)
2: i love that so much yeah. that's where i should just go and see if i could get a job not a nine to five job mind you but just a job where i work whenever i want to when i feel like being happy for sure <laughs> well i'm so excited it. you find it as all right well now i have to ask this question yeah as an anti-capitalist oh, yeah how are you negotiating this wedding thing which is really quite you know, in the current day is one of the largest industries in the country.
1: Yeah, yeah, you're telling me. Well. And you have a wedding planner. Yeah, Yeah.
2: I know the anti-capitalist has a wedding planner. Yeah,
1: well, okay, so I am an anti-capitalist at heart. I despise (laughs) capitalism, but I'm still in the society. I haven't left the society yet, so I need to participate.
2: You also love your partner and don't want to fight over every detail. There's that too, yeah
1: your uh, <laughs> battles
0: and this is a battle that's really easy you know because honestly yeah. it, this takes all of the the real headache away from her
1: because
0: mm-hmm. i mean wedding planning is no fun i did it all by myself it's no-
1: yeah we're splitting it pretty well and the wedding planner for me i mostly wanted it so that we had somebody there day of that's guiding things and you know because we don't want to be idea. the ringleaders of the circus that's going on We we want somebody else to be in charge and just participate in the event. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah.
0: Do
2: you find that getting married in your thirties has alleviated any family drama that comes with weddings? Not true.
0: I'm just telling you, Brendan. That's not <laughs> no, true. I know. I know. I got truth. married in my forties, and that is not true. What it all was the drama? A nightmare. It was a nightmare. yeah. I would say that, that. Well, I got <laughs> married
2: at forty and divorced at forty-four. Be- well, because of.
1: All. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I got married at twenty and divorced at. 34 so yeah married at 37 but neither time i my my family doesn't do a lot of drama so
2: oh what's your what i know we've talked about this but what's your ethnicity
1: english and irish and polish
2: all right clearly a lot of english there The waspiness is like, you know, just (laughs) solid, steady. Yeah. My sister's wedding drove me to therapy. Mm, Like I had to go to therapy in order to negotiate the drama that was going on because my sister and my mother wouldn't go to therapy.
1: I don't even understand.
2: My mother was competing with my stepmother to such a degree. And she had just had the car accident that my mother bought a hot couture dress for $8,000. My mother was a social worker. She had no money. She bought an $8,000 dress to compete with my stepmom, even though there was no competing going on. And that was more expensive than my sister's dress, which was also crazy expensive. Yeah, which was understand. insane. Yeah, no, I know. but it only gets worse from there. I mean, it was like the point where my sister, it's so painful. Like, it's like my mother called my sister fat on her engagement party and my sister hid upstairs and needed to be coaxed downstairs with like gin and vodka like shots, basically, that my dad gave her to get downstairs. Then my dad got angry finally with my sister and didn't speak to her on her wedding day. Then my dad gave a speech that might have insulted every unmarried person in the the room, including me and my mother. And then it was at a museum and my brother-in-law's brother ran around taking pictures of all the penises on the statues. That's really only the beginning of the story, but this is, but yeah, I needed. I I
1: could see why you'd need therapy after that. That, That's, yeah. Well,
2: I needed therapy all during it. It was like crazy. It was, it was crazy. It was crazy. Lenny, I kind of wish you had known me back then because you could have really helped me. Like, girl, call your mother, tell her this, tell her that. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I would have. I would have been like, you know what, girl, give me her number. I'm going to call her for you.
2: (laughs) It was so. Like my I'm going to cut the middleman.
0: And I would have been like, bitch, what the fuck you think you're doing?
2: Like it gets so if I don't know who you have. I just remember I was the only person in the wedding party. So my sister was like, go pick out a dress. And I was going to go to a consignment store in San Francisco and pick out a really nice dress, like a dress, you know, maybe get a name and do something really fun. My mother yelled me, you can't get a used dress. And I'm like, mom, I'm not going to the thrift store and getting some. You know, I was like, but I'm going to go. It'll be fun. I I don't have to. I can wear any color I want. And so she calls and she's like, I'm choosing the flowers. You need to match the flowers like it needs. And I was like, what the F? So I walk up to Vera Wang. There was a store like four blocks from my house. I walk on into Vera Wang. I'm like, "Okay, I need to buy a dress today to appease my mother. And I got a dress and
0: you never wore it again.
2: Well, I do. It's Halloween. I shredded it. I shredded the bottom. It's a beautiful Vera Wang dress, by the way, like an incident burgundy. And but you know who the hell's gonna wear it again? So I shredded the bottom, and so it's all the tulle is out. And I wear it. I go as bridesmaid of Frankenstein. That's my go-to Halloween costume. So I wear the dress all the
1: time. I, <laughs> <And> I-, <laughs> I mean, I mean, kudos to you for actually reusing the dress. So. Yes, I thought
0: I was. I thought I was good. I wear my wedding dress out to parties. Well,
2: your wedding dress was a yellow, beautiful yellow dress. I mean, it was a beautiful dress.
1: So... Good to both of you.
2: Anyway... Brendan, are you wearing a dress or what are you wearing? I won't
1: be wearing a dress this time. Maybe next time. Maybe, next <laughs> maybe
0: the third wedding. No, yeah. you're not going to have a third,
1: there wedding. Won't this be is a third wedding. Well,
0: you so could marry her now. three and four times. You do realize you can marry your wife as many times as you that's like. That's true. If right. you like having this kind of party, I mean, that's there the are idea. People <laughs> who, yeah, they do it all the time. I mean, who was it? Heidi Colombo, who, who had a,
1: a the What I don't know, Renewing whatever, vowels? every year. Yeah.
0: I don't know. I think it was with the other husband.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that that would be uh, that be. Excellent. I I am looking forward to the idea of a big party that we're all here to celebrate love and have fun and dance and and everything. And yeah, maybe one of those times. You know, if, if we do it a, enough times, I'll wear a dress. Kind of sounds like fun, but it would, we would have to find a good dress that fits me and like. Well, you you know, a stylist. I do know a stylist, can, so that helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, I no one. so I can help you with that. Good,
2: the best shower i ever went to was my friend's shower and we had a bride shower so we went to thrift stores actually and all bought old wedding gowns and (laughs) we all wore wedding gowns and then we had a (laughs) night like dressing each other up we paint we, we spray painted the dresses we like put on you know put made we got we went to a hat store and we got all sorts of fascinators and feathers and all sorts of stuff, and everybody made their own fascinator. And then we all went out after Sometimes. with our, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was like a really fun. That was the only time I've ever worn a bre- a wedding gown, and it was fun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so what? Yeah, because the only way I'd wear even like when I was five, people would say, "Can't you wait to get married?" I was like, "If I can wear black,
1: nice. but that was." Well, your stories make me make me very happy to have my family and new in laws because right. none of them have made any requests or demands or suggestions or pressure in any way at all. They're just excited for us. So
2: That's so lovely. That is lovely. That is so, lovely. so so I wanted, we wanted, like, when you told us...
1: The biggest pressure is that there's a couple people that, like, really want to come. And so we're like, okay, well, you're going to be on the guest list then. You know, like, other than that, that's it. So.
2: Yeah, that's not so horrible to be loved so much that people are begging to come to your wedding. That's actually very lovely. (laughs) Yeah. What? So you recently decided to have your vasectomy reversed. I did, yes. And so... We want to talk about that partially because like with the way the world is right now, yeah. child free people, I'm child free. Mm-hmm. I've been saying like, I don't you know, it seems it always I never wanted a child. But mm-hmm. now it would be like even when I think about my niece and nephew or Kadim like what their life is going to look like in 50 years you know, I get a little scared. And Mm -hmm. so deciding to be so purposeful, because really, you're just being very purposeful. Lots of people have children, but being very purposeful, saying, I'm reversing something, and we're going to try for children. Like, how did you factor in? Because I know you're an activist. Like, we both have talked about this. What brought you to that decision? A lot of
1: things. I mean, first of all, I'm thinking, I'm definitely not an authority to speak For any generation (laughs) including my own (laughs) like i can speak for myself barely and but i I will say that you know i've made a very strong stance on this in this topic on both directions (laughs) because i did i did get a vasectomy (laughs) so that i I would never have kids again and now i've just made the opposite decision
0: do you have kids
1: no no i've I've never had kids and so I, i got my vasectomy initially for a couple reasons one I was with a person that, in my view, would never make a good mother. She was not a good partner. She came from an abusive family, and I could see that abuse would continue, and I did not want to perpetuate that cycle of abuse. So it was a super easy decision for me to... Because like, kids also, like growing up, that was never um, a big factor for me, never something that I wanted or, or needed. I didn't even expect to have a partner, <laughs> let alone like a, a big family or anything. So I, I was completely fine and accepting of the fact at 20 to snip it and just be happy with no kids. And it, it seemed, you know, I'm just going to focus on my life, do the best I can for me and my community and my family and everything. But then, you know, and then I got in a, a new committed relationship and I was in a relationship with somebody who not only did I feel was going to be a great mother, but you know, it was just in general really capable and smart and somebody that I wanted to see them, you know, follow their dreams and passions of raising a family with kids and and explore all that. Initially, I got the vasectomy because I was following that idea of of overpopulation commu- contributing to the, the greenhouse effect and the changing climate and everything. And I, I really bought into it. In fact, I was I went into i was at a street fair and there was a booth that was just about people like trying to get people to stop having kids it was just, like this hippie couple that was like pe- passing out flyers on how each person contributes this much and this much and this much to greenhouse gases and, and all the different other things and i was like well yeah i'm, I'm all full of this i already had my vasectomies they like printed my name on a little certificate and gave it to me for being contributing to help save the the world and everything i was like so, yeah, I was happy about that. I really bought into the whole idea. Have you ripped up the certificate? I, I totally, I, I don't even think I kept it by the time I got home. I was probably, <laughs> hopefully, I recycled it. <laughs> <laughs> so, recently, I've been much more involved on leftist Twitter. And so, I'm following a lot of people who question everything, which is great. I love it. And they throw out a lot of ideas and and thoughts that I I either didn't even ever have the perspective on because I'm just living in the bubble that is capitalism. But they're talking about how or people have been talking about how the idea that having a kid contributes to the worsening environment is actually a capitalist propaganda idea that isn't really founded in reality. I don't have all the details on it, but like the basic structure is that it was actually, it's a message for liberals and leftists and people who care about the environment so that they have fewer kids so that th- 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 there's less of them around so that there's l- less of a problem to deal with so that you don't, they don't have to, future generations are less leftist.
2: Right. Well, certainly I agree with that idea, even if you've seen the movie Idiocracy. I have, I um, love that
0: movie. I haven't seen that.
2: It. It's it's funny. At right. least the concept yeah. is very funny. But it's but I understand that if we're playing the great game of chess, you know, and we're playing long term chess, and even though you can say kids aren't don't grow up to be just like their parents, but mm-hmm. I, I don't think that that's nec- I don't. Of course, that's true, but the majority of the time, it is similar value sets yeah. or similar religion, and so. And honestly, we also need to keep the smartest people. And this is where Mm -hmm. I don't believe, like just the DNA and I'm not saying liberals, whatever, but it really should be that brainiacs need to have kids because we want to cure cancer, cure pandemics. Mm
1: -hmm. Like
2: we can't, we actually do need, I'm going to mispronounce the word because that's who I am, but I could spell it for you. But. Propagate is that the right? So in in the sense, like we need to add to the population because in order to evolve, like that, if we're playing Darwin's, who survive, like the best survives, Mm -hmm. we can't like evolve out ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I'm saying like the super brilliant people need to be having babies.
0: Well, you know, we're living Darwinism right now as we're speaking. Well, I kind of we are living it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thinking all of those people who don't shouldn't have babies they're passing away.
2: Well, that's true with the pandemic, but they're having like six children. So like, yeah, but their children <laughs> have
0: the same beliefs. So they'll pass yeah. away as well. So we'll,
2: we'll see. I you still know? think. But I do find that, Brendan, an interesting way to challenge that idea, because certainly <laughs> really, I never wanted children just because I never wanted children. But when people used to ask me all the time, like I would ha- I would c- come up with a reason that would be palatable mm. to a person mm-hmm. or would challenge a person's ideas. But, you know, in the end, I was like, I just never wanted a baby. Yeah. You know, like, it was just like, it was just like, I don't, I was born with that instinct to have a child, to want a child, to, I certainly have used the reason where, why should I contribute to overpopulation? But I like how mm-hmm. this is, how lefty Twitter is challenging I mean, yeah, this? Yeah, like
1: America doesn't have the population density that you know India or China do, and right. like even there, they still have room to grow. And the problem is that the you know the ideal solutions to a lot of these problems are not something that's going to come around really easily.
0: <laughs> I was thinking. here I was thinking that you saw your nephew; it was so beautiful. You just had this moment and thought, "I want this."
1: I, that's not not part of it. <laughs> that's definitely part of it. Actually, my nephew is the first baby I've ever really held. Oh, yeah. wow. So, and it was amazing. <laughs> it was incredible. I loved it. I just wanted to be around him and see his smiling face, just just always. So, yeah, being able to spend that month and a half down there in, in Utah with my sister was incredible. And it helped a lot with my final decision of going through with it and everything. I actually, I made the first like prepayment on the procedure while I was down there because I mean, that's how timing worked out, but also because uh, I understood kids a little bit better and and everything.
2: What an amazing, like that's gonna be such a gift to your nephew. Do you know anyone comes to You know, like how proud is he gonna be like to think about his cousins? I hey, if it weren't for me, you wouldn't exist. I mean, exactly. that's exactly you're already bonding this family together. I think that's beautiful. Yeah,
1: I'm pretty excited. Yeah, because he's not going to have, oh, and my nephew, he's not going to have any other kids in his age range in our family. So, mm. so by, by, you know, Margaret and me having a kid now, then they will have each other as close family units. I love that. Yeah. But when, that's um,
0: a great idea. And if your sister decides to have another around the same mm-hmm. time, you mm-hmm. know, those things are that those things are really lovely bonding moments. Well, I mean, my, you
2: had a big family, so I you had a like lots of cousins and you had like siblings. How mm-hmm. was it for you with Kadim raising I was in Australia? The first
0: though, mm-hmm. I was the first in my brothers and sisters to have babies. Right. I was the first, so it's a little different. By the time we moved to Australia, Kadim was like 6 or something. Kadim was there the day that my nephew, my first nephew was born. He was at the hospital with my dad downstairs, and he was devastated that he would not be able to see the baby, Mm -hmm. right? And him and Malcolm grew up until the day we left. Actually, until the day we left for Australia, they were really close. I have some of the best pictures of them together growing up. But now, you know, I think Australia has pushed him into a completely different, ideology. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they would have the same politics. They're both grownups. Now Kadim's almost 30, you know, like it's different. Mm-hmm. But growing up, they they had each other. And then the boys came because my brother had twin boys. And then he had twin girls. And then my other brother, he his kids are the youngest, because he didn't start having kids until like about seven years ago. So his son is seven. And his daughter's two. there's so many damn people in my family, wow. my cousin, Kathy's son just had a baby. He may be two now I feel like
2: it's all spread out, though. Right. I mean, so now, like, Kadim does he have a relationship? He has no relationship with his cousins now.
0: Yeah. And he doesn't even he doesn't even understand the way they live or anything. It's
2: hard. I mean, it's hard, like with my because I grew up really with a big family, 40, 40, you know, lots of cousins, all very close. And my sister has talked to me about never pressuring me, you know, to have children. But since there's only the two of us, she's you know, my kids are growing up without cousins, Mm -hmm. you know, like they're not having that childhood experience that we had with all the cousins running around the backyards and this like this gang of kids. And so I know for a while she kind of mourned that. Mm -hmm. But partially because I was in California, she's in the Midwest and the rest of her would have never grown up together anyway. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's so hard with this American dynamic of just move anywhere that keeps families kind of apart that way. Yeah. And I think people I just read an article somewhere that that's actually changing.
1: Yeah, that so
2: people are staying closer to home. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which is great. It is great. But I'm not moving back to New York. But it's just <laughs> it, it it I don't know, I think moving away and living in, in a different country for so long has also changed my perspective of like cousins and the need for this huge family unit. Yeah, it's great that they have kids, and, but my brother has six. Yeah. He could have a freaking baseball team. You know what <laughs> I mean? I don't know. It's, I don't know. Like, I just I think that's all it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of effort. And about,
2: I know that constitutionally we are not allowed to do this. But when you think so, I'm not like so. But what do you think about, you know, even if we just did public service announcements on not having too many children? Do you have is there a cap that you should have on children?
0: No, I think that's a personal choice.
2: So, I think that is a personal yeah, choice. I don't begrudge society. my brother for
0: doing it, but no, I, like, personally, I know for me, that. I'm like, Jesus Christ, like how can you give these kids the life? Right. Do you know what I mean? For me, right. that's yeah. just but Well
2: you know, I'm not saying that we make it a law. I'm saying like it's unconstitutional and, and it's we make it a social norm. But what is the social norm? Like the social norm hundred years ago is, you know, women had pump out a kid a year. You know, and then as many live, that's what we do. I mean, we've changed from that social
1: norm. Yes, we don't have so that. But what like I'm saying is,
2: what should the social norm be now? If you were the creator of social norms, what would you say?
1: I, I well, think five g- is crazy and four is pushing it. Yes. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll I take mean, a stand. I
0: see, and I think that it would even change. I think it even changes because of the pandemic. So I think that maybe in 2019 I would have had a different view than what I have now. I think now with you know not the pandemic and then the way we're having so many you know disasters happening across the country, I, I feel you know first of all, I feel like families should live closer together. Mm-hmm because we could all take care of each Mm -hmm. other better. I mean, those families Mm -hmm. that were able to live in the same neighborhood, or whatever, like I have a friend who all of her families live like within the same street. And they were able to have their unit there, they were able to have their bubble, be these people who, you know, they love so much. I was jealous, because It was just Shane and I, and luckily we have really great neighbors, but like, I was jealous. Like my family is on the East coast and my family that was here, you know, barely even got in touch. So I just felt like, uh, the pandemic has changed a lot of my mind about that. Like I really wish, even though my son is like not the easiest, I really wish he would have been living closer as well. You know what I mean? Like I just, I feel a a lot different about how how family dynamics are and children you know i noticed you still haven't given a number well because i don't i mean i feel like i know but i'm just like so you're just saying no number just because you know what you know why because if it changes depending on your situation if you live on a farm think about it if you live on a farm having four children is very helpful Mm -hmm. okay that's very helpful. Right. Do you know what I, I'm saying? I can't. I don't want to make and I, I don't want to make those kinds of decisions for people. I am really. Well, since we can't even feed the country we have. But we can. We, we
2: just a hundred percent choose not to choose not to. But the problem is the more people we will still that problem will never turn to that problem. So I kind of wish we lived in a world right now where everybody's like, I'll replace myself. And until we figure out society's ills, like that works. I wish that were a societal norm. I would never force it. Of course I don't, you know, people should do what they need to do, even though I agree with Brendan. Life is about choices and I'm all about choices. But what I really don't, What I can't stand is the whining. Somebody has five kids and then they whine that they're poor or they can't afford to send their kid to college or they can't afford to do this because, man, nobody needs five kids. Five kids is a want, people, not a need. And so that. Getting
0: right back to that again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But no, I mean. (laughs) You know, I would go I had I mean, obviously growing up in the 70s and the 80s, like with a neighborhood that had a huge Catholic population. I mean, I there were lots and lots of families with six, seven, eight, nine, ten. There was one family that had 13 kids. And I have to say, right. So everybody, Brendan is looking like, that's crazy. Too many. But that I, is is ins- it is insane. But you know what? I do remember kind of being jealous, right? Of going, it like, I was like, this is, you'll never be lonely. There's always, you know, you really yeah, have your own. Tribe.
1: I don't mind being lonely.
2: I <laughs> 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 do not mind it. <laughs> being alone is different than lonely. But sure. I was I mean, I remember being kind of jealous, you know, or even like watching the Partridge family or the Brady Bunch as a a kid and being like, oh, my God, it'd be so
0: great to have that many people in the family.
1: (laughs) I definitely never had that feeling.
0: I never (laughs) had that feeling. I had two brothers and I was just like, can't we get the fuck out? Jesus they smell and I want them wrong. I was happy with just my one sister that so that's funny. that was fine with me
2: <laughs> yeah I, well I you know Candace will tell you that I tried to murder her several times I was really wanted to be an only child I was really not happy when she came along at all and that's will, just an older child
1: I will say I did thing. I definitely did try to adopt some of my my male friends as my brother into my family at, at different points like <laughs> See, one one friend uh, like their parents were going through a divorce and you could be our brother it's it, you know just if if they don't want you anymore we can have you not really understanding the damage i was probably doing at the time (laughs) to my poor friend but i do
2: i do tend to have you know i wish people had like less people in their family, it would give them more attention. Like the kids would have more attention, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, again, I also I mean, Lenya, I totally take your hesitancy to put a number on it. But <laughs> I, Brendan, I also really appreciate that you just put it out there. And yeah, said, the social norm is social norm. I mean, nobody's dictating. We're just sort of you know, I also. Still, right.
0: I would rather, I like, you know, I don't know. I guess maybe I'm feeling this way because of what's happening in texas it's just i'm it's upsetting to me oh yeah, that yeah. somebody's had that some
2: nobody guys, should have any say over 100%. whatever you're going to do with your body yeah
0: you know what i mean and i think that's
1: Except kind of masking my... i
2: love how texas is. don't mask
0: but, we, but
1: we're going to tell you what to do with your body after exactly. six weeks yeah. yeah so much yeah. hypocrisy I,
2: I gotta say i've had so many friends in the last few years move to texas because so of job I. opportunities it is ter- there is a big blue contingent within that very red state. But I have to say, I couldn't, I I would have a hard time between the voting law that they're passed, and yeah. the abortion, like mm-hmm. I, how it's, it's a different country. And I don't even want to go there.
1: Yeah. Same. Yeah,
0: I would. I, I mean, it's the same as like, Florida. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny, because like, I have this thing where I have these dreams, like fantasies of moving to New Orleans. And now, obviously, that's dashed, right. But I had these like fantasies and then i was like then but then at the same time i'm thinking do i really want to live in the south as a black Mm -hmm. woman yeah no right yeah Yeah. am i i am so outspoken and crazy (laughs) and i think the south (laughs) is one of those places where i wouldn't be able to have my natural hair at work like i could be fired or arrested or something i can't remember what it is they they didn't adopt the crown act it sounds like what is wrong with me (laughs) well see i don't even feel safe here in la i live in a red county yeah I live in a red county, and I didn't even know it until I worked as a poll worker at the. You're still in
2: Los Angeles County, right? You mean no?
0: Like I'm in the San Fernando Valley. Um, I think yes, we're Los Angeles County, but Sherman Oaks. Sherman Oaks is a red dot, and geez Louise, I never felt so dirty. Mm -hmm. I never felt so horrible as after that. And you know, it's affected my judgment. Your your vote matters. Yeah, my vote matters. my vote, my my personal vote matters. mm -hmm.
2: Yes, not really is important. You know, that becomes a super (sighs) important thing. I mean, every time Eric and I think about like where we we might live, like my knee jerk reaction is I want to move to, you know, we were just in San Francisco two weeks ago and I just, you know, You just turn to the next person and you don't have to worry about who they voted for Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like you can just start an Mm anti-capitalist conversation with anyone sitting next to you and i have to say eric so isn't that annoying that people aren't different and i was like there's something very relaxing Mm -hmm. it's
1: calming yeah
2: it's calming disarming and so what do you want to do and you know so i was like i want to go back and live in the bubble but there's another part i was like well but shouldn't we move somewhere where our vote matters like you can always find a bubble but move somewhere where oh it really matters and i don't know like one of my great heroes she's a friend of mine i think i've told lenya about her but she's a constitutional law scholar and an ex-federal prosecutor but she lives in santa monica but she you know her mom lives in pennsylvania she Mm. basically got an adjunct job teaching in like Pennsylvania for six months domiciled and voted in the presidential election in Pennsylvania. Like nothing fraudulent about it, but she's like, all right, well I'm going to move there. I'm going to domicile there and I'm going to make my vote count. Cause in California it doesn't count at all. And the thing is she loves Philly so much. She's still there, but.
1: I haven't lived, I've traveled a bunch in the U S but I haven't lived a bunch of places. I mostly just lived in the Portland, Oregon area, the Phoenix, Arizona area and the Denver, Colorado area. And what's kind of funny, or what I found f- funny, I guess, is that like the, the politics in Arizona are actually kind of red, but the people I interacted with were definitely acting more in a way and conversing more in a way that I felt they were more blue. And when I went to I when I went to Colorado, I had the exact opposite. The the politics were all very blue. And I thought it was gonna be like, Oh, this is gonna be great, you know, like at, at the time weed to just become legal for medical and stuff and so I was like, Wow, they really it really happened. All the people like they were so conservative they really were like they i i at the time you know i was a little punk kid and so i had like bracelets with studs on them and my hair was spiked and whatever and i would just like in malls or, or walking around town i would just be ostracized it was really weird and mall cops or, or rental cops would come up and harass me all the time and it, it was just the, the mindset was just totally different mm-hmm. it was so weird
2: I think that's like really a great place to sort of end the conversation today on to really embrace the idea that we need to be multifaceted. So just like being an anti-capitalist, a capitalist, what's a need, what's a want, like what being liberal is or open-minded, because what you're really seeing is like in Phoenix, where you were in Arizona, like people are really open-minded, mm-hmm. where tolerant. And so I'm, you know, I work on that, like how tolerant i am of people who are intolerant you know so i work on where my lines are there Mm -hmm. you know because i think at 18 i was very intolerant of someone who might have been anti-choice where now i'm more tolerant of that depending on what that view is Do you know what I mean? Because if somebody's anti choice, meaning I would never have it, or I wish it was harder to get an abortion, I think I could be very tolerant. For people who are like pro that Texas law, I'm probably not going to let them in my house. Right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean? That's just, but I think that's really important to know. That's what's so hard. Like when you go, if you're moving to a different city, you kind of want to get the real vibe. Like you want to go yeah. spend time before you move somewhere to get sort of a sense of, what that city feels like
0: so important Mm -hmm.
2: so i feel like that could be another because here's the thing so my elementary school supposedly is like it was jefferson elementary school and they are removing the name jefferson from the elementary school so i would kind of like to talk about that in upcoming weeks
1: because i'm having
2: feelings some (laughs) of them might be white fragility feelings so i want to because i am not a fan of thomas jefferson by the way but He's not my favorite founding father, but I am having feelings, so I want to talk about it. But everybody, thank you for coming and being with us today. Thank you, Brendan, for sharing your your personal life. When the time comes, we will want pictures Absolutely. of all of it.
0: Definitely. Absolutely. Coming. You might even crash your party. <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs>
2: I you know what like I'm not a wedding person so you don't have to worry about me.
0: <laughs>
1: I'm, I am, I and you not. do need to worry about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not actually worried but cuz I would kind of be delighted. He did so,
2: not give us the I am coming to that Montana party Yeah. And no, I was like that how I want to do both. Yeah. All right. How many dog ranches are there? We can just start at the beginning.
1: Well, I should actually give them you know. a plug. It's called Oro Ranch. O R O. Oro Ranch in okay. Montana and it's a fabulous venue. It's incredible.
2: That where we might I might crash that, and yeah. we'll bring our dogs.
0: Awesome. Yes. Sorry, <laughs> not, not I, me, mean, but yes.
2: Uh, no, Ina <laughs> you know, would have such a good time yelling at everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to say goodbye. You can find us at womenvirginiancap dot uh, All social media except Twitter, because
1: yeah, it's a help I'm- We're not on Twitter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs>